Hi, Well Woman, and welcome to the Live Well Beyond the Scale podcast. Join Dr. Marcy and her guests as they discuss tasty topics like food and fitness for super busy women, renegotiating your relationships, leaning into your mental health, embracing self-care without the guilt, and much, much more. Together, you'll have open and honest conversations to help you go from restrictive eating and living and into abundance and true well-being. It's time to tell that scale to kick rocks so you can get to the heart of living well. Here's your host, author, speaker, and founder of the Well Woman Academy, Dr. Marcy. Hey, Well Women, it's Dr. Marcy, and I am so excited today to have my bestie. I call her my Celeste bestie. Dr. Celeste Owens, I'm trying to think about when we first met. Uh, But I would say that you guys know about when you have Woman Crush Wednesdays. This is my wellness crush woman. Like she is just everything and such an authentic spirit and just a wonderful human being. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with her and with you because we're going to learn some things. So welcome, Dr. Celeste Owens. I'm so excited. Thank you. And you know what? Let me say. For those who are listening, it might be their first time listening. They <clears throat> Maybe they're not as familiar with you. Marcy, you guys, Dr. Marcy is one of those people that I could show up to and not have to read between them lines, not have to think they meant something else. I actually can show up authentically me with her. So that's why we are besties for life. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. I tell, We always say we don't have good sense to fake it. People, I'm like, I wasn't supposed to say that? Oh, I didn't know. I don't know how to start to, to, to come real and authentic because... I don't want to leave a conversation feeling yucky or it's like, oh man, I was so faking it. I don't even like myself, let alone. (laughs) So I just love you because when we're together, it's like all the realness and just, you know, living well can be challenging. Um, Staying on the path, as we call it, is difficult. It's even more difficult when you don't even know that there is a path, that you're so consumed by what the world says is, uh, defines your health. Um, when you, when you go to the doctor and they say, give you a diagnosis or they say you, you need to just lose some weight and eat, eat well and exercise. Okay. Have a great day, but not really telling you how to live well. And so a lot of times we can become trapped on the scale. We become so fixated with that number. It becomes our value. It becomes the only thing that we we're assessing as health, but we want to talk about how to live well beyond the scale. And so, Dr. Celeste, I know you've had your journey as well, and you're still on the journey. That's a beautiful thing, is when you realize it's a journey, we know it's a never-ending ending journey. For you, tell us about what got you to recognize the path. What was, like, your hurdles, especially when it came to food and food choices? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, thanks for the opportunity, and I love to talk about this because so many people, and maybe even women specifically, have this love-hate relationship with food that starts, you know, way back when in childhood. And sometimes we can really develop unhealthy relationships with foods and specifically certain types of food. You don't have an unhealthy relationship with broccoli. No, you don't. Or Brussels sprouts. No, no. It's the other things that are considered, quote unquote, comfort foods, which they ain't really comforted at all, maybe for a fleeting moment. But for me, it really just became uh, a journey for me to make put food back in its proper place. So put food in its proper place. So I ended up writing a book called The uh, Making Peace with Hunger. 
And it really was the journey of me being able to go from being a junk food junkie to a person who was holding well without the assistance of food, junk food. And it was an incredible journey over years, you guys. (laughs) And I hope that we today could just decrease your learning curve. But for me, it was step by step because my relationship with food had come at such a painful time in my life that it was unfathomable not to eat the things that I was eating. And I ate them without even putting a connection to what originally got me to the unhealthy place with food. So you know how you just go about doing something and you're not even checking yourself. You just, you beat yourself up after you eat the whole piece of pie or the whole cake, but you don't ask the question why. And when you're whole, you actually could stop and start to question some of the things you, um, decisions you make without judgment. That's one way you know you're whole when you could question your decisions without judging them. And that's that that's where this whole food food journey took me. So I remember you told one story about when you and your husband were driving and or he was somewhere and he wouldn't stop. Or you would just part of the, the trip was that you had to plan out when y'all were going to stop to eat. And so you became very, very agitated with him. But it was that the, the point when you realized, OK, this this has a stronghold on me um, and I need to deal with this. You know what? It's a, that's funny. You brought that story and that story is so funny today, but it was not funny back then. It was not funny. <laughs> but you know what? It wasn't the first time I knew I had an issue. It was the first time that I knew that somebody else knew I had an issue. And that's when the light bulb went on. You know, when you all by yourself in the darkness, you could you could live in the darkness. But when somebody else see the raggedy you are in the darkness, you're like, oh, the spotlight became on me. So the story is, you guys, my husband, we had just gotten married that July and I had to move to Chicago to finish a um, uh, doctorate, um, pre-doctoral fellowship to finish out my doctorate. So we just got married that June. I'm sorry, just got married that June. July, he moves me to Chicago and then he flies in a couple of weeks later to visit me. His flight was delayed and I had not eaten before, you know, or eaten a lot before he got off the plane. So we got off the plane. I was already in grouchy mode and I was like, oh, hey, he's like, oh, hi, you know, I haven't seen you. Hi, you need to take me to get something to eat. He's like, oh, OK, sure. So he driving and ask questions about Chicago. I'm like, no, no, no. You need to get me something to eat. And you know what? Just the hangry started coming out. <laughs> and now, years later, it's so funny. Actually, we were talking about this on another podcast probably last year sometime. He was like, he was really scared. He said, he was like, who did I marry? <laughs> that she cannot relax. But I was mad. And that's when I realized, whoa, something, whoa, 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 something is really not right here. Because I couldn't, I couldn't have been that hungry. I had just eaten, you know, some hours ago, y'all. I couldn't have been that hungry. So right. yeah, you're right. That was the time when I was like, something got to change. And it's something that, that it's one of the things because food is something that we have to choose every day. It's not like you have to choose a different job every day or a relate, you know, a different relationship or you have, you have to navigate so many parts of your life every day, like you have to do with food. So we, we do, you know, there are days you can go without eating before you die, of course, but typically we want to try to eat every day. Right. <laughs> so, so we negotiate, we have to negotiate those choices every day. And when you feel like you're not in control 
or that the, the those choices are not yours or even that you have the power to to put the control back in you. It can be very challenging. Um, so how do you suggest that we go about re- number one, recognize that there is a path when it comes to living well. Um, number two, when you're on the path, what do you do to stay on there to, to navigate the path once you acknowledge that there is one? Yeah, that's so good. So once I realize, let's just stick with the whole Chicago hanging out with my husband, having a fit about eating. Um, you So once you realize that there is a problem, Dr. Phil says you're 50% of the way to solving it. So 50% is good, right? But you still got another 50% to go. So even when I realized it was an issue, and part of what triggered in me when I was when I was picking my husband up from the airport, we, you know, hadn't been married that long. I wanted everything to be perfect. I had a lot of anxiety around that. So food was my comfort, was supposed to be my comfort in that moment, except he was taking way too long to get in the food. So knowing that it was an issue, I started thinking about it. So, you know, y'all, I thought about it for years. <laughs> it, it wasn't even like I made changes. I just thought about it. This, this, this could be different. There could be something different I could do. So it really took some time before I actually made the decision to do something um, different. But once that um, light bulb came on, that for me started the process, even if I wasn't perfect at it, right away. What I started doing in Chicago, I will give you an example though. I started making better food decisions at breakfast and at lunch. So that was good. That was a great start. I started making really good food decisions. Dinner was a whole nother story. I was living in a city where I knew no one. I was very lonely. It was dark at night. I was in a strange city. Y'all, I ate like a fool at night. But when I woke back up the next day, it's another day, so let's do good breakfast, do, do, do good lunch. But yes, needless to say, I, I, I gained 15 pounds in Chicago because of that night eating. But when I think about it, I did start, you know, I did a breakfast, I did a lunch, and then eventually it got to the place where I, I started making better choices day by day. It's a journey, you guys, day by day, just decide I'm going to do better than I did yesterday and keep on going to the, finally, you're on this path that Dr. Marcy's talking about. You will get there. So you talk about baby steps in obedience. I love that so much. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So for me, and you know, some people could go cold turkey, like they could just stop everything all at once. And I'm like, wow, what's discipline? Or how long do you even keep that up? But anyway, for me, it really took baby steps because my eating wasn't grounded in just being hungry naturally hungry. My eating was rooted in an emotional void. So that's a different switch, you guys, when it's rooted in emotionality and negative emotions. So that was a different switch for me. But one of the first directives I got, you guys, and this all came through marriage. Marriage will rip the covers off. Dr. Marcy knows. It will rip the covers off of any kind <laughs> of like, phone. Yes. He's like, give me my comfort covers. No, thank you. No, th- I don't want to acknowledge that. Put my cover back on. <laughs> over my, my head. And I put them over my head, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> I want my covers back. They were ripped the covers off. So I remember our first year after I finished Chicago. So really was indeed our second year of marriage. I just was, you know, continuing my old path of eating in the bed. That was my best way to eat y'all, eating in the bed. And then I remember just one day, just in my spirit, it just came to me. Um, you want, because I kept praying. You know how you pray for something that you all really want to answer? I kept saying, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to do better. You really want to do better? I want to do better. Stop eating the bed. I don't want to do that better. I don't want to do that better. No. Mm-mm. But then, you know, I started thinking, no, something got to give. I got to do better than this. And I did. I stopped eating in bed. 
And that was the first directive that I obeyed and kept. And to this day, I mean, rarely, like once every two years, I might eat better. So, you know, maybe the kids brought me food in bed or, you know, something like that. Or the kitchen is being remodeled. And I don't know, I'm making something up, but I don't eat in bed. <laughs> but that was my first directive. And so once you got over that hump, do you feel like, so So what was this? It's like starting to that shift where it, it, it re, you realize it is about choices and that you, the, your choices are not, they just feel so, it, it's unfortunate when you feel that you don't have a choice and somehow the voices in your head confirm like you need, you need, you know what? You need that McDonald's or you need that. Or you too tired. We worked all day yesterday. We don't have to get up and work out or you know what? Just call it, just call, you know, just, just get somebody something delivered. We we're just, you deserve that. You deserve it. You worked all day. And so yeah. we all know about them voices, right? That, that, that it's like our friend, you say the friend of me voice, right? That it sounds like they're your, yeah, your cheerleader, but really it's, it's a lot of those actually negative voices, the uh, negative self-talk, the doubts that that somehow transform into words that allow us to give in to them. So how do you combat those voices in your head? Yeah, so even if we break it down a little bit more, you do have those voices in your head, but they come from a place of fear. So all of their directives are fear-based. So for me, let me even just take it back to eating in bed again. Because people probably say, well, what was that all about? What the eating in bed was about was fear-based. I had moved from Buffalo, where I was born and raised, and moved to Baltimore City. And the news was just all bad all day. (laughs) You know, just bad news. And so I stopped watching the news. But because I had this fear about being in a city by myself, I felt lonely. Food became my comfort in my bed. So that was way back at least 15 years before I got married, sitting in bed, eating food to comfort and reduce the fear I felt of living in a new city and reduce the loneliness. And then it just became a habit. I kept doing it over and over again. And then I just got confronted with it in marriage. My husband used to say things like, man, why are we always crumbs in the bed? Or I'm like, boy, your, your vile said for better or for worse, please stop asking me questions about crumbs. <laughs> but then that, and so that's why it was like, You could stop doing this. And then when I realized, oh my goodness, I got a power in me that will 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 really be able to cause me to make some better changes, that fear won't overcome me, that I won't die when I don't eat in bed. Because that's the kind of debilitating fear sometimes that it could have over us that food becomes that comfort and band-aid. I'm like, oh, I made it through the night. I'm alive. And then that's what it was about. So those voices, you guys are just rooted in fear, fear that people will reject me, fear that I won't be good enough, fear, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. But once you realize, man, I am enough, I'm whole, I'm healthy, I'm well, I can do this thing. There's a power in me that can get me through it. You're going to be unstoppable, unstoppable. I love that. I love it so much. And I think we need to say it more. Uh, People underestimate the number of times they need to hear that. And hear that they are whole and they can do it. And it has nothing to do with willpower or your, your commitment. It has to do with you just knowing. You to be able to say in your mind, that doesn't have power over me. Or to ask the questions, right? So why am yeah. I feeling that? Why did that come up for me? And a lot of times if you follow the thread, you will find fear, trauma, um, and a lot of times you can, from that place, seek help and seek support and from a place of healing and truth. 
And speaking of trauma, that's your background. Um, yeah. So uh, we didn't even start with that. Just to call her Celeste Bestie, but um, Dr. Celeste brings it. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your background so they can understand how you can, uh, you know, like identify it. And even in healthcare, we are not, <laughs> we are not exempt from going through our own uh, journey to live whole. Yeah. So for me, I'm um, formally trained as a psychologist and I work with over a decade with survivors of childhood sexual abuse and then other traumas as well. And um, became after my doctorate became certified in trauma. So I have a uh, certification, postdoctoral certification in trauma as well. So I've been fascinated with how trauma can be linked to the different choices that we make as adults as well as even our physical health, um, how we even show up in the world physically. Trauma could be so associated with that. So I'm always in the mindset of understanding people through the lens of what they have lived and how they have lived, um, as opposed to judging them based on just simply what decision they're making today and what they look like, <laughs> like the rest of the society typically does, that you got to be a size whatever. You got to be, you know, look at this way. Your hair has to be that way. People have had journeys and people have come through a lot. And I say, I heard someone say this and I, I love it now. It's like, you have survived 100% of your worst days. You are a survivor. You are a thriver because you have survived 100% of your worst days. And that's what shows up to us each and every day. Those people who we see, they have survived 100% of their worst days. And when you can say, man, I just survived 100% of my worst days. And I, that means I can control a piece of cake or a pie or whatever, I have the power in me to make good sound decisions for myself. And it's really about that. Dr. Mercy, you hit around the head. It's really about making the decision. Nothing can control you unless you let it. You can make the right decisions. I love that. And and one thing I want to talk about is you said uh, before we started the show, weight loss is an empty goal, but that's not how our society, especially with the quick fix diets and, you know, going to the doctor and they're, you know, they may tell you your weight and you definitely know your weight, your BMI. Uh, they want to now check for visceral fat around your organs, which are is all important to understand your, your health overall. But there's so many other aspects to that, especially when you think about solutions. Right. So thinking about the first thing we think is, oh, I need to lose some weight. Right. As, as a uh, certified uh, integrative nutrition health coach, I hear I need a meal plan. Right. So so I can lose some weight. How can I lose weight? And so then we buy into a lot of these traps out there. Right. That talk about I can help you lose weight 20 pounds in 20 days. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we still we may lose it, but we're still not well. And yeah. so what do you, when you say weight loss is a is the empty goal, tell us what you mean by that. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, well, everybody knows how to lose weight. (laughs) Everybody knows how to lose weight. Just don't eat the foods that got you there in the first place. You eat less of it, you work out. So everybody knows the general um, idea around losing weight. So it's not so much the issue of losing weight. However, it is billions of dollars that are spent every year on simply losing weight. But that's what the whole idea of making peace with hunger is all about, is that you get to a place where you understand why you're hungry, what you're hungry for, and make it peace with that thing. And I literally, you guys, have been able to make peace with hunger to the point where I can go somewhere where I can't eat. Typically, I can't eat wherever I go these days because people just don't have healthy choices. And I've made peace with that. Okay, I'm hungry. You'll live. Your stomach's growling. You'll be okay. You'll survive to the next meal. 
you will be okay. And I literally have to talk to myself in regard to that. But, oh man, Marcy, what did you just say? What did you ask me right before that? You said weight loss is an empty goal. Oh yeah, there we go. They're empty goal. So uh, it is an empty goal. And I know most people who actually lose the weight and keep the weight off are people who have had a whole revelation around this idea that the weight is just not simply about what I ate. It's not just simply. So it's an empty goal. So for me, um, way back when, and you, and if you check on my website, you'll know I wrote another book called The 40 Day Surrender Fast. And I wanted to lose weight. But when God called me to this place of fasting uh, to lose strongholds, and that was better than the weight, that was emotional weight. He got me to a place where I was going to lose emotional weight. I ended up doing the Daniel Fast, um, which is just like all foods I didn't want to eat, like just real foods. Like you go in and you only shop in aisle one where it's the produce. <laughs> you don't shop in the middle of the store. That's what the Daniel Fast is. And I ended up doing that. And you guys just want me to get to a place of wholeness and being closer to God. Gave Did that for 40 days and lost, mind you, 16 pounds. That was craziness. I didn't even intend to lose weight. I was just trying to be obedient and have since kept the weight off. And, you know, now I last year turned 50 years old and I have people, I, I just did a video for someone I hadn't seen in about five years or so. And they're like, oh my goodness, you look amazing. And I'm like, wow, thank you. But you know, it's just, I'm not so much about the physical, but people do notice that, you know, wow, you're not 50 and like, oh, you know, overweight or your skin doesn't look terrible or, you know, whatever it is. But when you get whole, you, you, you show up whole. You actually show up in a way that people can see. They think it's just simply about your skin or about your weight, but they know there's something more to it than that. And that's what wholeness is all about. Did you get to radiate this just beauty that comes from the inside out and really gets to show up in a way that becomes healing for other people. Don't you want to be a vessel of healing for other people? And even Dr. Marcy shows up in that way too. You know, she puts on her websites about and her uh, social media about um, she's lost weight and done all these other things, but all underneath that, she's always saying, it ain't even ever about this. <laughs> it's just me being able to show up in a place of wholeness. And once I'm whole, I get to make decisions that lend itself to losing weight, my skin glowing, you know, all, all these other things that happen with that too. But don't make weight the goal. That's the whole point. Or I love it. I love it. When you say weight loss is an empty goal, I just like, you're right. And so many people who, who, like you said, 50% is awareness, right? So you're 50% there. If you just become aware that it is a journey, it's not a destination. I'm a destination chick. I'm like, I, where, where's the end? Where's the, where's the prize? I, I said it in my mind and I want it to manifest and I want to be in the castle and with winning with the trophy. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, no, I, there is a journey. There's a path. And so the, the lesson here is I want you to number one, be aware that there's a path and I want you to live in the present as well so that when you veer off the path that you are keenly aware of that and that you don't beat yourself up. You do, It's life. It happens. Um, but that you um, take you get closer to me. You do it. You, you know, you, you get more mindful with your choices and then you can get back on a path. But I'm not you know, my path. You're on a path. If you don't know you're on a path, sometimes you look up and you're 16 million miles away from your original path. And it feels like it takes forever to get back there. But I love what you said about the steps, just a baby steps, taking small, making small choices. And I think you said to lower the learning curve, right? So that you can understand that, you know, you're going to stumble. 
You can think about you th- you've made thoughts for a year. <laughs> You're just thinking about it for a year and then took action, then got obedient and then took another action. And that is how you get on your path. And that is also how you're very aware uh, when you veer off, as we all do. I love what you said. You said it's hard to stay on the path. <laughs> it's difficult. It's yeah. not easy. It's yeah. not easy. Um, so you also said one thing. The key is what? Oh, the key. Oh, my goodness. The key is just showing up every day, embracing the love that's all around you, the love that God has for you, the love that you need to have for yourself, the love that you feel just love. Love is the key to stand on the journey because the path that Marcy's talking about, you're probably like, where's the illustrious, the, the path that I cannot buy? Where's this path? The path actually has nothing to do with food. Food is just a coping mechanism that took you away from the path when you were afraid. But once you start to walk, because fear and love can't reside in the same being. So once you start to embrace love, love just automatically just picks you up, puts you right on the path to just wholeness. And then you can just be there. Once you're on the path, when you figure off the path, you know it so fast. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm, let me run back. Let me run back home because I'm off the path right by now. And sometimes that does happen. You know, you can just get um, out of your routine. You can get out of like I was mentioning to you, Dr. Marcy, that one of the things I do to stay on my path is every single day I give way to um, being still. And people get really afraid of being still. And for me, stillness is where I find myself again, where I become grounded and rooted in love and just to get to have an amazing experience with the father before I go about being in this world, you know, being a part of this world. So for me, stillness and meditation, <clears throat> even if you just start with five minutes, you all, it will get you back to yourself. I've seen so many people or heard so many people say when they started meditation, they were sitting there and all of a sudden they're just like tears streaming down. <laughs> Oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? What happened? But it was just being, you know, making yourself available to the spirit because that's really who you are on the inside. Um, And meditation has done that for me and got me back to a place of love. And one thing I think too is to remember that God is not, does not operate in the same time and space that we do. So when we feel like it's far, when we connect to ourselves, to our being, to our wellness, when we have our vision, when we sit down and become intentional, you have quantum leaps into where you're supposed to be. And so therefore, when you're there, when you're not there, it just doesn't feel right. It no longer feels good. And because you now know that feeling of well, and it's not perfection, that's, that's be clear. No. <laughs> it's not about being perfect in your choices. It's just if you can increase your awareness and therefore increase your desire, like you desire to be closer to God. And with that desire is what led you. And when you um, arrived at your, imp- with your imperfections and, and all the flaws that God already knows about, then it still was abundance. It still was abundance yeah. and it didn't have to think about loss. And so that's what I love. I'd love for you to tell us more about the global global surrender fast. Oh yeah, thank you for the opportunity. So we get the awesome privilege, you guys, of just leading people through the process of fasting. And the forty day surrender fast is something that was birthed through me in two thousand and ten. And since that time, we have led people through the fast. Dr. Marcy has done the fast. She was first introduced from her mama. 
who had done the fast first and then she did the fast as well. And we've taken other of her communities through it, but we do our fast, you guys, in September of this year. So make sure you check it out on the website, drcelesteowens.com. And it's just thousands of people surrendering themselves to God so that they can um, be transitioned to whatever is new and next for them. And there's no better time to fast than this year as we exit prayerfully exit out of a pandemic, prayerfully. (laughs) There's no better way to get yourself centered and transitioning to that next season. So it starts September 13th and you can find out more at drcelesteowens.com. Yay, yay, yay. So I'm so excited. So one thing I want to be clear on is, is we talked a little, we talked a lot about habits and steps and um, how to get to the this beautiful path we keep talking about, right? Um, So what would you say to the well woman out there who's just lost and and wants it um, conceptually, like, I want to be well. We say those things like, right? How you say, God, I want to do right. And he's like, well, I'm gonna give you this assignment. Like, no, I don't like that assignment. Give me the other assignment, right? The one that she got. I want the assignment that you gave her, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say to those women who are just, struggling to put the first step forward. What can they do right now to take one step toward their true self, their most authentic self? Yeah, great question. Because I know some people are like, so what do I do? Tell me something. And the fact that you're listening to us today means that you, your spirit brought you here. So you're ready to make that first step or maybe it's your second step. And the way you need to do that is to get still and just ask. You have not because you ask not. You just have to ask, I want to do better. I want to be better. What is my first step? And it might even be, I want to lose weight. What is my first step? Or, you know, I want to be less fearful. Or What is my first step? And I promise you that little still small voice is going to tell you what your first step is. And even if you're like, I don't think I heard it. I promise you somebody else is going to show up and tell you. I have had strangers sometimes, you guys, when I've asked that question, what do you want me to do next? I have had strangers come out of the blue at the gas station, somebody who looked like somebody I should run from. This is, this is really the truth. Came and confirmed something that was in my heart. And I was like, you look scary, but you just said what was in my heart. So I know that was confirmation. <laughs> so I, I promise you the answer will come. Just be still, ask the question and wait and it will come to you. I love that. And, and that's kind of how we uh, connected too. Because I'm like, Dr. Celeste, we should do a <laughs> let's yes. do an event that talks about mothers and daughters. And I, something came on my heart. And you're like, okay, so I, let's think about like six months. I'm like, no, let's schedule it for two weeks. I already called the place. And you're like, okay, you're right. God, because you knew that typically you like to have this process. And I go with like, bam. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm glad that you have broken me out of that. I can move faster now because of you. I love it. And I think I, and I sit, I sit down and take a beat and meditate more because of you. That's why we bestie, Celeste bestie. Um, and I appreciate you. You're one of those uh, relationships that you, I know uh, resides in the spirit world um, for me, because our closeness and our connection is um, I don't even question it. You know, yeah. and I have this with um, a few people like Dr. Vicki Johnson. She and I are just connected in a way that I yeah. know it lives in the spirit world. And I think about you guys ushering me into um, a space and, and a safe space, which I think is important. And when I'm ushered in, guess what? I'm like, let's open the doors up. And yeah. so to be around so many door openers 
It's just amazing. Wow. Um, and teaching us how to live well beyond the scale. And Dr. Celeste Owens, I just appreciate you so much for being here. Yes. I'm so excited because, you know, I'm normally like talk over people. So every time you're saying something, I want to be like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I applaud myself and I, I'm going to reward myself for this. <laughs> you should. Because you just, I just resonate with so many things that you say. And um, you're just real, very real um, and very uh, authentic. And it's just like, like real in a way that's real, but also you give it to us real as well. Um, and showing your, showing your full self. And so there's, it's just no words to express what that means to all of us. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you for Yay. having me. Congratulations again on your podcast. Yay. I'm so excited. Um, so until next time, well, women, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next conversation. Find Dr. Marcy on social media at Dr. Marcy. See you soon, well woman.